Okay. Well, good every, good evening, everybody. How are you tonight? Bless the Lord. Got to look at all this technology again, Pastor James. I preached this morning on the Holy Spirit being led, listening to the Holy Ghost. Who wants to hear him clearly this week? Very clearly. Are you sure you want to hear him very clearly? Positive? What time's prayer meeting on Sundays? Tuesday morning, 6 o'clock. Ask the Holy Ghost if he wants you here, 6 o'clock Tuesday morning. (laughs) Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Ask him. You really want to hear from him? Just ask him if he wants you to be here. That's not difficult. That's why I ask, do you really want to hear him? He will tell you. Next Sunday morning, ask him, do you really want me to be at church? Sometimes, I dare you to ask him. I was lying down this afternoon, just got up from sleep, and the Holy Spirit said to me, dare the people to ask me, where do I want them to be? When church is on. Come on. I've said enough tonight. <laughs> but are we genuinely, sincerely want to hear the Holy Ghost? Come on. Sometimes we, we want to hear him, but we want to hear him when we want to hear him. But I want to bring that challenge tonight to Paul's city. Christian church. On what time? Six o'clock on... No, in prayer meeting. Six o'clock Thursday morning. Oh, I can understand why people don't want to hear him. (laughs) Especially when it's getting a bit cool. At any time, ask him, do you want me to be at church Sunday morning? Do you want me to be at church Sunday night? Or do you want me to just stay at home and be entertained by Hollywood? Holy Ghost, do you really want me to be there? I think if we're genuine with him, He'll genuinely lead and guide us into all truth. If we're not fair dinkum with him, then we can expect nothing from him because he's not going to grab you by the scuff of the neck and drag you to church. He's looking for hearts that is willing and obedient. Amen. Amen. And so, I can understand next Thursday morning, 6 o'clock, yeah. But just ask him anyway. Could you do that? We're having something strange happening to us in Rocky. We're having unsaved people that are coming to our prayer meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And they're coming, sitting in the back. And, and I said to my guy who runs a prayer meeting, I said, we need to get, see what God's trying to do. I said, make an altar call next Tuesday night. He said, oh, he said, we never held an altar call on Tuesday night. I said, no, we get so set in our ways that this is when there's got to be a service, this is when there's going to be an altar call, this is when this is going to happen. But try Flow in where the Holy Spirit is 
already moving. And don't ask him to move. Tap in and ask him to give you the spiritual understanding so that you can see where he's moving. And I think he's moving all the time in our lives. But sometimes because we're not aware of what he's moving and where he's moving, we're not sensitive enough to move with him. But that's just something I threw in, okay? Won't cost you nothing. Get up next. Put your alarm on for half past five. Amen? Amen. And just dare him to tell you if he wants you here at prayer meeting on Thursday morning. Dare him. Or dare yourself, really. (laughs) Well, you came in. Didn't know whether you want to hear that, but anyway. That's what the Holy Ghost said to me on. Jamie, we had a wonderful time up there in that motel. It was so awesome. We went there and we had a good sleep. Usually our sleep at home is a lot shorter. And we slept and slept and woke up and Sean went and bought a packet of wheat bix and milk and sat down and having breakfast again. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't have a long time between services. We usually go from half past nine, we usually get home about one o'clock and then we're back in church by half past four because we start at half past five and then we have a full tea at after church, that's about half past seven to eight o'clock. Then we're probably finished about half past eight or nine o'clock when we get home. Sometime Ada gets home one o'clock in the morning and I ring her and I say to her, where are you? She said, oh, I'm at McDonald's just having another cup of dal. Oh, okay, I just want to know where you were. Okay, you know, I just say something about Ada. She's an amazing woman, James. You talked about giving. Now, she had never had any money in ministry from 1977 till 2002. The only money that she would have would be the money that I'd give her. And because we didn't have a lot of money, she wouldn't have any money. But she has dressed like a queen. And different times I'd come to her and say, you got a new dress on. And she said, yeah, God gave it to me. Oh, okay. So any bit of money that she'd get, she'd sow it all the time. And she'd receive. She'd plant her seed. And she, all all the... If you see Nada, she, she, she has a different dress on nearly every couple of weeks. And people say, oh, you're looking lovely. You must have a rich husband. She says, no, I've got a rich God. My husband doesn't look after me. My God looks after me. If I had to depend on my husband to look after me, I'd be looking very scraggly. But he just loves me. And God looks after me. And I found out that, I mean, just the other day, um, she wanted this guy and his wife to um, cook for the ladies. So she went to them and said, can you cook for the ladies? And Sunday night before she goes to church, a lady from the church comes up and she's got an envelope. And she says, oh, Ada, this comes from an auntie in Mackay. And to give it to you. And I thought, hello, it's got to be money. And I said to her, well, she said to me yesterday, guess what? She, was, she said, I was believing God for $500 to put in this guy that cooked for us on the, on the last lady's uh, uh, Mother's Day. She said, this person t- called up and she said, oh, auntie said to give you this. She opened the envelope, here's $500 in it. <laughs> and she says, Dad, I thank God that he's taught me the secret, that he is my God. You are not my God. He is the one who supplies my need. You're not the one who supplies my need. And by living like that, he can give me everything that you can't give me. Ladies, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lead not unto your own husband. <laughs> Believe in him and he shall give you the desires of your heart. He's the God of the too much. He's the God of the exceedingly abundantly above. Hallelujah. And God just looks after my wife since, oh, since 19, 1977 now. 1977 we went into ministry. She's flown all over the place. And I remember I, one time I gave her, she was going to New Zealand. And I thought, oh, I'm being very generous. And she was going over there for two weeks. So I gave her a hundred bucks. <laughs> now that was a lot to give from me. That was like giving to a, a million bucks. So I gave her this hundred dollars. And she came back to me. And she came back to me and she said, came back with me, put $90 back in my hand. And she said, here you are, Father. I brought back $90. And she said, oh. I said, oh, that's great, love. Put it back in my pocket. A couple of days after, she said to me, you know, Dad, I've been thinking of that. You gave me the $100. I knew that I could do it. But then I come back and put this $90 back in your pocket. And I've been asking God, I'm hitting on to another thing now, asking God, why did I bring that $90 back and put it in the hands of my husband? And she said to me, she said, Dad, you know, there's something in me that's afraid of you. That made me come back and put that $90 back into your hand. She said, you're not an explosive guy. You don't explode. You don't get angry. You don't go off the thing. She said, you're always so cool, calm and collected. But why is it that inside of me, there's something inside of me that's afraid of you? That I come back as a little girl and hand you back that money. And I begin to pray to God. And God begin to show me, I'm not preaching on this, but I'm just going where the Holy Spirit wants to take me tonight. And the Holy Spirit told me, he said, you look back at your father. Your father was not an explosive man. He was very cool. I didn't see him, he, see him get angry. We had, mum and dad had 11 children, like Sean's got 11 children. Um, never seen dad explode. Only at different times when dad didn't like what my mum cooked. And he, we'd all sit around the table and my dad would look at the food and he'd say, oh, what's this dog meat? <laughs> and he'd chuck it straight out the door. And mum said, oh, cook it yourself. So he'd just go and get a piece of bread and chuck it in, um, in um, dripping and just cook it up and come and cut up bread and dripping and that sort of thing. But when my baby sister was in high school, my mum left my dad after 11 children. After 11 children, she left my dad. And she walked away. And I began to say to the Lord, why did mum walk away? And he began to say, there's something in you that you need to have surrendered to me. Because there's something in you that I haven't dealt with yet. That has come down through the, your generations. And even though you're such a peaceful man, there's something in there that I have to deal with. And I thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because no matter how long we've walked in God, there's always somewhere in our heart that he wants to go into the deep recesses, the inner recesses of our heart. And change us from glory to glory. Come on. Sometimes there's some people in church that look, they look so lovely, even a pastor or his wife. But underneath, you know that they are ready to explode and you touch them at the wrong place, touch them in the wrong point, and something will happen. And that's where the Spirit of God has got to get into all those different areas. I don't know whether you, this church has got all those areas in their life. Probably has got them all dealt with now. 
and um, he's all the glorified church. But our church, we're all always going through stuff because the pastor and his wife are always going through stuff. And we sit there and sometimes, I'm just talking there. James, can I talk for a while? When do you want me to finish? When you're ready. Okay. And sometimes, when you walk as a Christian, no matter how long you walk as a Christian, there's always come times of doubt in your life. If there's not those times of doubt, there will be no need for faith. And the Bible says we've got to walk by faith. If there's always doubt, there's going to be always time when you need faith. And sometimes, Aaron and I would sit, and we'd sit, even up to this point, and we'd sit with each other, and Aaron would say to me, Bryony, Dad, do you think about this Christianity that it's only real because we want to believe it's real? Anybody have them sort of doubts? That you believe, and you ask yourself these questions? Or is it because we, we're taught that way and we, we believe so hard that way because everybody has a belief system that they live by? And she'd say to me, do you believe, you know, she'd say, you know, Dad, who would want to come and listen to us too? We had a broken marriage. We had children outside of marriage. Then we got saved. And she said, you know, really, who would want to come and listen to us too and listen to you preaching week in, week out? And come and want to ask us for marriage counselling. And you sit there like a qualified counsellor. And what are you talking about? You're only talking about how God brought you out and God fixed you up. And God dealt with you and me. And you're only sharing those things. And people go away and say, oh, if that's happened to you, then God can fix me too. But there's all the time when there's different questions that you have in God. I talked this, mor this morning about when I was sick and when I had dialysis, and even on dialysis, there's times like six years now I've been going up there. Three times a week, 15 hours a week, six years, 52 weeks of the year, and on times that I go up there and I sit in God, believe in God, God, your word says that by your stripes I am healed, I speak it every morning before I get up. We come and we see people pray. We pray for people and they get healed. And here I am praying for people for six years and I've never seen, seen that healing come. And there's all these different contradictions that come. Sometimes we, 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 we believe a gospel that says it's so pure that it leaves us outside of our own personal situation. And sometimes, you know, when, when you're broke and the bills are coming and they're going to shut the electricity off, I don't know if ever you've been on that place, and you don't want to answer the phone because you know it's going to be Optus. But if you've been there and you realize, but there's a God up there, why am I so frightened? of answering this phone. It could be only a telemarketer. <laughs> but then again, it could be Optus and asking me that I'm going to pay the bill. And then I have to, then I have to, you know, I know the spirit is all truth, but then God, I, I might have to tell them a lie and tell them I'm going to pay it next week, but I know next week I'm not going to have the money. Now, I don't know if all of you tell lies like that. <laughs> None of you tell them little sort of lies. You know when people, you've been sleeping and people ring you up and say, oh, uh, how are you? Oh, are you busy? No, 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 I've just been sitting here waiting for you to ring up. <laughs> Those are the little things that if you commit yourself and, and trust in the Holy Spirit, He's going to deal with all those little issues. The Bible says it's the small foxes that spoils the vines. We're not going to go in there and do drugs and grab another woman as soon as we get out the door and, and do all this sort of stuff. It's those little foxes that foul us up. Those little things that, that trick us up all the time. I remember ringing to this guy in New Zealand and he was the guy that, he was the guy that got us our house, the first house we got. 
we had a couple of houses. Mum gave me a house, and, and um, when, when mum gave me the house, I said to, the, to Ada, uh, do you want to go to New Zealand? So we went to New Zealand. When we come back, I, she came to me and we sat down. And she said, um, Dad, can we use the money for the house now? Put a deposit on the house. I said, what money? She said, the money that your mother gave you. I said, I took all you and the kids over to New Zealand for six weeks. Where do you think I got the money from? That was the money that my mum gave me for the house. We already spent it. And so we're sitting on the floor Ada's going into me and she's growling and I'm crying and she's crying and I'm growling and all this thing going on. And she said, that's the dumbest thing that ever happened. Your mum gives you the money. Anyway, we were there and this guy rings us from, rings us from no, he comes and knocks on the door. And he says, Bryony, guess what? I've been sent from the pastor in New Zealand. Oh, okay. What's he come for? Oh, he told me to get you a house. Oh, to get me a house. Yeah. He said, go and pick you up and go and look, pick what house you want and he'll get you the house. And I was thinking, oh, this is too much. So we jumped in the car. He hired a Mercedes to come and pick us up from Cairns and come down with us. And so he going around around the house. He said, uh, by the way, Bryony, uh, what sort of house, uh, how much money you got in the bank? I said, $76. He said, oh, that'll do. <laughs> Ada's tapping me on the shoulder at the back. Did he hear what you said? <laughs> I said, Gilmore, did you hear what I said? Do you know how much money I got in the bank? He said, yeah, you said $76. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. He said, let's go. And we walked around his house, and we went to a house that had a for sale site. It was a solicitor, the solicitor in the town. And we went to that house, and the Holy Ghost said to me, this is the house. So he said, do you want to go anymore? We went up to a high block. And I said, no, no, that's that house there. And so he said, you want this house? I said, yeah, we want this house. And so he said, okay. So he kept, he kept sending me the papers to sign for the house to do the deal. But I never, ever done a deal with the house. And I'm thinking, I'm going to go into jail. This guy's setting me up. Anyway, the last time I rung him, and it was 11 o'clock at night, and I said to, me, I said to him, Gilmore, how are you tonight? Uh, uh, you sleeping? He said, no, you idiot. He said, I've been waiting for two hours just for you to ring. It's two o'clock in the morning now in New Zealand. <laughs> he said, what do you want? He kept sending me the papers to, to sign all the time. I said, oh, all them papers that you sent me, I threw them in the bin. He said, why did you throw them in the bin? I said, oh, I was just scared. He said, what do I come to? I'll, listen, I'll come over there. So he comes all the way back to him from New Zealand, comes and knocks on the door, opens the door, and he says to me, listen, we go and see this solicitor guy. And the solicitor guy says, he wants his house, it was, I think it was 76000 And he says to him, um, Brian, he's got $76. He said he'll need a deposit. And this is a businessman. I thank God for businessmen. I used to be frightened of them before. I think these guys are around to rip me up, rip me off. I mean, they couldn't rip me off for much anyway. And so he says to the solicitor, and I'm sitting there, and I said to him, he said, I'll get him to give you the deposit. I said, you'll get him to give me the deposit? He said, yeah, I'll just talk to him and give me the deposit. I said, no, no, I want the money in my hand so I can give him the deposit. He said, oh, that's all right. I'll just get him to write a check out. I'll bring it back to you. And when we go and sit with him, you put the money in his hand. This is the deposit. <laughs> so it seemed like a, a bit of a story, eh? So we go there, have tea with the solicitor. He said, oh, $10,000 deposit. I smile and put out, pull out the check that he gives me and gives it back to him. We sign the papers and walk into the house. <laughs> we serve an amazing God. Nothing is impossible with him. My son, Sean, got a house. And he was on the dole. He was stopping under our house in Tully. And he said, Dad, these people want to give us a house. And I said to him, well, 
Have a go at it. He said, Dad, I don't know, I know nothing. I don't know nothing. Yeah, I'm under the house here with my kids. I said, look, I'll take you to the guy and we'll see. Anyway, I went around and the guy that, who's that guy that's on television? Scott Kilpatrick. So we went to Scott and um, we said, Scott, we're looking for a house. We haven't got money, but uh, we're looking for a house. And Sean's, this department said they'll give him a house, and, but he's got no money either. So we say to Scott, um, Scott said, what sort of house do you want? We said, well, he's got 11 kids, so we want about a five-bedroom or something like that. Upstairs, downstairs, Scott comes to us. He said, oh, okay. Hang on, I'll just ring my wife. He rings his wife, and he said, okay, come on. Jump in the car, we follow him. He says, I rung my wife to see if we sell us, she'd sell us our house. <laughs> so they sold their house to Sean... And that's how he got into his house. I want to say tonight that the Holy Ghost is for you. You no need to struggle. I don't say that I don't struggle. I struggle when I can't hear his voice. But once I hear his voice in the midst of the storms that I go through, in the midst of all the contradictions that I go through, when I hear this voice say, peace be still, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on thee. Once I hear that voice, I am not fearful of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. Because after all, he is our comforter. He is our guide. If he is going to lead us in the way Jesus purchased for us and in the way the Father designed for us to walk, then he is going to lead us into all truth. I used to be frightened. I didn't know how to pray when it came to the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, man, when I pray and talk to the Holy Spirit, am I robbing Jesus? I say, sorry, Jesus. Uh, um, you know, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll give you praise. And I thought, well, what about the Father there? You know, am I neglecting the Father? All this, anybody ever went through those sort of scenarios? You know, when I talk about the Holy Spirit, and, well, what, what about Jesus and the Father? But then I realized, there's a, there's a system that walk, works in the Godhead. When Jesus Christ comes, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God gives the son to the world. But when the son comes into the world, what does he do? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. He said, me and my father are one. He says, I only do the things that he told me to do. I am not acting independently. He's not jealous of me doing, getting all the accolades here. I'm just, I, he's just so glad that he sent me and I'm doing exactly what he went, what he told me to do. So then when Jesus goes, he says he'll send the Holy Spirit. And he says he will not speak of himself. He will not try to promote himself, but he will take everything that I have given to you and he'll, he'll show it unto you. He'll reveal it unto you. So he says, there's a, there's a synchronizing in the, in the Godhead. There's no jealousy there. They're not frightened of each other getting the glory of each other. They're all just one. They're flowing together. And when we realize, but they all have a specific place. The father has his place. When the son finished his job, he went where he sat. The Bible says he went and sat beside the father. And he says, my job's finished. After he had went back to the earth, what did he say, his last three words? It is finished. That's why when I hear people say, Lord, we want you to do this. Holy Ghost, you go there. I'm thinking, you've got no, you got no, um, what's the word, Sean? No permission to tell the Holy Ghost where to go and where to go. You're supposed to lead him. He's supposed to lead you. You're supposed to go. He's going. But they're not frightened. I think, now I'm so free and thinking, well, I can talk to the Holy Ghost when I pray. He's going to take whatever I pray and take it to Jesus and to the Father. There's no jealousy in there. But sometimes we... We try to put them in three different people, but they are the same. The Godhead, three in one. 
three in one. There's no competition between them. There's no jealousy between them. They all get glory out of what the Holy Spirit tells us and we do. You know, the Holy Spirit comes. Any sinners here tonight that need to be saved? Praise God, you've got all Christians here tonight. Well, the Holy Spirit comes and he gets a sinner person and we get him saved. He brings his name to the Lord. And what, what happens then? The Bible says all heaven goes into celebration. All those angels rejoice. Every time someone gets saved in our church, we have a glory time. Saying, God, we're rejoicing. I mean, they are rejoicing over one sinner repents. What is the church doing? You know, church go, oh, that fellow was saved tonight. You should be racing going through that glass door, excited about someone got saved tonight. Isn't that true? That the Holy Ghost was able to speak to someone. But he is with you. He says he'll never leave you. Just I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What? He sends the Holy Spirit here with us tonight. So he's the one. Like I said, when you go home tonight, say, Holy Spirit, all that thing that I heard tonight, you give me an understanding and the revelation of how I can apply those things that I've heard into my situation that I, I walk through. We need the Holy Spirit. See, Sean grew up, Sean, you don't mind me telling this story. Sean grew up in church, but at 18 years of age, or 18, no, a bit earlier than that, he comes and he says, I've got a girlfriend, Dad. We was in prayer meeting, and we're sitting down. Sean's a lovely boy. I really love this boy. Anyway, we sit down in prayer meeting, and we used to, and he's sitting down beside me. He said, Dad, guess what? I found a little girl tonight. And I said, oh, that's great, Sean, because Sean always had different girls. So he says, uh, <laughs> I said, oh, what's her name? He said, oh, Rhonda. I said, Rhonda who? I said, he said, Rhonda Grant. I said, Rhonda Grant? Get in the room. So I'm saying to him, I got him in the room now, his mother and I. And I'm saying, you've got to drop her. If you don't drop her, you hit the road. And I was saying, Dad, don't be like that. You, don't, you forget that you was young once. I didn't want to know that when I was young once. All I wanted to know that this Sean was marrying this Rhonda. Wanted to go with this Rhonda, got a little girlfriend. I said, drop her. But Dad, I love her. If you don't drop her, you hit the road tonight. And he says, oh, Dad, well, then I'll have to hit the road. Well, there's your bag, out. So he hit the road. He stopped in the football ground behind the house. He stayed in there for a couple of nights. And sometimes he'd come and into the backyard and talk to, my, to his mum, but he wouldn't come into the house because he knew I was waiting in the house. So he'd come and talk with his mum. Anyway, to tell a story, what was 18 years later? You came back? 18 years later, he came back with this Rhonda, married with 10 children at that time. I wasn't the best father. I reacted a lot of times in the wrong way. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. He is able to deal with all our mistakes, all our inadequacies. See, I, think, I was thinking that I'd done the right thing. I was doing the right thing. Didn't realize down the line now. I thank God that the Holy Spirit spoke to this boy and brought him back in an Easter time. And he came back at Easter time and he said to me, oh, Dad, I want to have a yarn with you. So we sat down until about 2 o'clock in the morning and he said, Dad, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't have a problem with God. I just had a problem with, you know, he said, but when I, we weren't in the ministry, he said, 
I lost you as a father. He said, you was always my dad, always my mate. He said, when I went to the ministry, he said, everybody was in our home. And you was always sitting up with people. He said, and we only, we only had the church in our house. So when I came home from school, there was people there. When we'd have prayer meeting, Ada would go and knock the electric light, the fluoro down, so the people wouldn't go in there and lay down on our bed while we're having prayer meeting and lay down, young people would have a talk. When we'd want to go to sleep, they'd be in there sleeping and laying down talking to all these young people. So this was the home that Sean grew up in. Sean said to me, Dad, it wasn't any of that. I didn't turn off God. He said, it was just that I had all this thing going on with church. And he went on till about 2 o'clock in the morning. He said, well, that's it, Dad. And I said, well, what are we going to do now? He said, pray. I said, what for? He said, well, I just got to get saved again. <laughs> Thank God for the Holy Ghost. And any times if you find your, your children are struggling and you think you've never done the right thing, probably in many cases you may not have, but we can only walk in the understanding that we have at this point in time. We can only walk in the level of faith that we have in this time. And if you think you've been a bad father or a bad mother, well, just put it behind you. We've got a God who loves us, a God who sent his son to die for us, and we've got the Holy Spirit who walks in us and with us, and he's always meshing and remeshing and remaking and remolding, all he's fixing up all those broken pieces all the time. Hallelujah. Yeah. And don't give up. Because the Holy Spirit never gives up on you. He's an intercede forever. An intercessor forever. He'll always be there with you. And I knew in these times when Sean was out, there was a lot of young men coming into the church at this time. And they would come because we had the church in our home. They would come and be in our home. And when they'd go now, and they'd go and they'd all stand up outside talking in their cars, I'd be looking through the window and I'd be just crying. And I'd say, God, these young men are coming in. They all want me as your dad, as their dad. But I got a boy out there. And God, I've served you faithfully. Where is my boy? And Ada at a different time would say, Dad, why don't we just give it up? You know, the, the, these people, are they're just putting up with us. And I don't really know how, because they walk through stuff with us. But I love the body of Christ. When you're hurting, it's the best place to be in because the Holy Spirit is moving in there. Somebody may not give you the right word, but they may be another sister or another brother who can pour oil in. I love the body of Christ. I will never, never go away from the body of Christ. I shudder when I see people go away and outside and talk against the church of Jesus Christ. I said, God, they don't know nothing about the body of Christ. They don't know what they are doing. God, with all our weaknesses, with all our failures, with all our brokenness, and I say to our church, we're just a broken people, constantly being healed by the Lord. None of us are totally fixed up, but the Holy Spirit is there constantly. And I say to our people, whatever you do, don't knock the church, because the Bible says, Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for it. I'm not going to ever knock that which Jesus Christ gave himself for. The church may disappoint you. People may disappoint you. They may discourage you. But I want to say, hold strong. Hold tight in God. Stay in line and allow the Holy Spirit to heal us. Because we, like I said, we all need healing. We all need to be wholeness in our lives. None of us are 100% complete or whole. And sometimes when you see preachers get up there on television and they fall, and many times the enemy works like that. He doesn't allow them to fall, but if he can put a switch in when they're small and he won't pull the switch, he'll wait till they get right up there and everybody in the world is clapping them and then he'll pull the switch. And people say, how can they save thousands? Well, the reason why was something that was not dealt with in their own life that the Holy Ghost had been speaking to them about. Tell you, 
I want to constantly expose myself to the Spirit of God. And I expose myself to the Spirit of God when I expose myself to His Word. When He comes to me, He's going to lead me to His Word. Psalm 119, third, what says? It's the entrance of His Word that brings light. So when he, like I said this morning, when we're going around through, going through trouble and the Holy Spirit leads us, Psalm 23, to the table of the Lord. This is the table of the Lord. This is his word. A lot of the guys, Old Testament guys, Job says, I esteem his word more than my necessary food. That's why God could put Job through that because he knew Job had an understanding of his word. Isaiah said, Jeremiah says, I eat his word more than my necessary food. And the psalmist said, God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He, restore, he, lead me, he restores my soul. He leads me. Oh, what's it? He, he gives me what fruit. Uh, in the temp, James, in the table. Uh, what's that? He prepares the table in the presence of mine enemies. So when your enemy is shouting on every side, Where's the table of the Lord? Here is the table of the Lord. There's all specialties in this. I said that this morning. And I was going to preach from Hebrews tonight, but I won't, James, all right? I'll, I'll wait another time. But see, Paul, some say Paul preached on, Paul taught Hebrews or somebody else. This is Paul's teaching and this is someone. Or I don't know whether who it was, but I do know that the Bible says holy men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Ghost writing, inspiring men and women, all these little special things in God's Word. For every situation of life that you go through, there's something here. And when the, when the enemy is shouting on every side, saying, God, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What is that which you want me to eat tonight? What is that? And sometimes it's the same thing. I don't get a lot of powerful words um, from the Lord. I mean, I do prophesy, but most times God just says to me, I love you. And I don't know whether it's boy because I need to be reminded of God's love or what, but that's when he tells me again, Ronnie, I love you. I just cry. I think, God, you love me. There's probably only two people that love me, my mum and me and you. <laughs> But God, this creator, this God who stood out there when there was nothing and he spoke and everything came into existence. Out of his mouth was coming stars and planets. It all come from the creator God. And that God creates everything. And he said, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Six days. And then he comes and says, that's me. And I say, God, but you don't know where, oh yes, yes I do know where you come from. I seen you there laying in the football ground in Darwin. I seen you there laying in the pub, laying in the, in the toilets in Darwin. I seen you there. And God, do you really still love me? Yeah, I love you. Tell your church, when the Holy Spirit gives you, it doesn't have to be a powerful word. This is a simple word that's spoken into your heart. And God tells you that he loves you. Even if your husband doesn't tell you, or your wife, or your girlfriend, or your boyfriend, there's a God up there. Not only told you that he loves you, but he demonstrated his love by putting his son on the cross of Calvary for you and I tonight. And the scripture that I was going to say tonight, that God says in Hebrews chapter 1, Therefore, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race. I want to say, here the Holy Ghost, through the prophet, is opening up to us another different realm outside of the realm that we can see with our natural eyes. He said, there's a whole cloud of witnesses watching you to see how you run your race. They're out there. And Mama was watching you today. 
and saying, you go, girl, as you were song leading. She was standing over the balcony. See, there's a whole new world out there. Hebrews 1 says the whole, see, and we're surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Turn around and say to someone, you're being watched. That can be a, a, a frightening thought or it can be a, 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 a comforting thought. That when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know I'm being watched. Someone else has walked through there and they walked out the other side. Just walking through the valley of death, they didn't come and stop there. So if you're going through hell, don't stop there. Just keep going. Hallelujah. And so here they are. And I'm thinking, Mama, God's word says that I'm so surrounded about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Mom, I made it. I made it. You're watching me. Yeah, son. Yeah, Bronnie. You go for it. They're watching you. Those who are, because the Bible says what? Absent from the body is to be where? And where is the Lord? Our Father, who art in where? Heaven. Heaven. They are there with us. All our brothers and sisters or mothers and fathers or granddads who died in Christ, they are there. They're barricading for us. They're cheering for us. Sis, when you're playing the piano, they're cheering for you. Saying, go give it to them. Come on. There's another anointing that's coming on your life. Hallelujah. You guys, when you... Are you all one family? Yes. Yes, all look the same. Sean said to me, they, they all look the same. Isn't it? Aren't you, you are blessed to have your whole family and your two precious boys in the house. You guys stop in the house. Don't let your friends drag you away. You are in the best place. There's an anointing to come upon you guys. And you'll move into another realm. And the things that you've been taught, you'll find out all once the Spirit of God will touch your plane or whatever. And you're saying, hey, what's going on? I can sense something up, but it's the Holy Ghost. Dad and mum, you are blessed. And everybody else. Turn around and say to someone, I'm blessed too, you know. <laughs> yeah, so we're surrounded about. I remember this preacher saying, he was going to preach at this big conference. And he said at the first time in his life, he felt like his, 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 his dad and mum were watching him. And all at once, he said he started to get teary-eyed about, he was driving teary-eyed about his dad and mum. And he said their presence felt so close to him. And he said all at once, God just sort of like, he, he rolled back the carpet curtains of heaven and he looked and over the balcony was his mum and dad. And he said they were saying, Go for it, my boy. Go for it, my boy. Go for it, my boy. He said, you know, I walked out of that place. We drove to that place. He said, I knew that the anointing was on because I not only had the power of the Holy Spirit, he said, but I knew I had favor from heaven. God, the Holy Ghost, was showing me that those who went before are watching over me. And that's why the Bible says, let us lay aside every weight. Don't hang on to stuff that's not got no eternal value. Just, just let it go, okay? That sounds easy enough? Stuff that's going to drag you down. Stuff that, that's not going to... There's stuff that you can't drag into eternity. Don't get worried about if someone steals your car. You're not going to take that in, into eternity. Don't get all upset about it. Someone broke into my car the other day, the other night. They stole the key for the church's bus. I'm thinking, I hope they don't connect the two. So I go every morning, look as if the bus is still in the bus park. <laughs> but we get caught up and distracted and anxious about so many little things that are on this earth. That, that's not going to have no eternal value. And he says, so, so just let go of it. That sin that's uh, so easy. And there's always some little sin that's going to catch you, you know. Might be a big thing, just might be a little thing. And I remember to me, it was... Rugby league. I love football. 
Football was my God. And so, I had every Friday night, soon about half past seven or something, I'd start getting shifty. And I didn't want to have a talk. I, I think she's just naughty sometimes. She wants me to sit down and have a talk with her about Corday. And she knows that football's coming up. And I'll be drinking, saying, I'm looking like all the time. She said, so one night she got so sick of me. And I went, so she said to me, take your, if you want to watch football, take it downstairs. Put the TV downstairs. I thought, that's good. I'll take the TV downstairs so I don't have to be interrupted. I'm walking down there one night after a couple of months, and she said, hey, see you later, Dad. See you about half past ten, eh? You're going down there to worship your God. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, I can't watch this game. This is my God. I've neglected my wife and my family, and I'm coming here and worship my God. And I realized that there was... That, that thing, that was just, it wasn't, I wasn't going to swear. I wasn't going to get upset, James. I mean, I was very cool carrying that TV downstairs. <laughs> but I carried this thing. I could have said, well, you want to be entertained by Hollywood with the TV up here? Oh, I didn't get an amen in that one. <laughs> okay. So I used to go in there, and in the end, I'm sitting down there under, under, under the house one night, and the Broncos were playing. And Broncos was my, was my God. I had the shirts, I had the things, I had whatever I could get, and my, some of my family would bring me things from bron Bronco, the Bronco cap, and I was everything but a Bronco, everything, I was a Bronco in every way, but I couldn't play. <laughs> I could barrack, I knew all the moves, I knew the coaches. I knew what move they should have made when they didn't make it. I got so engrossed. I knew every football team. I knew every coach. I knew every player that was injured that week. I knew who was coming out and who was going. I knew who was going to get shifted from one club to another. I, had all, I knew all the statistics. And I'm sitting down there watching the Broncos this night. And God said, you know what? It's getting that way with you that you know more about the R NRL. RSL now. <laughs> That's why I'm not there yet. You know more about the NRL than you know about me. And from that moment on, something happened within my heart. And I knew that was a sin that does so easily beset me. Because even, even in any sort of, I mean, I would try to shift state of origin from one night to another night. I'd try to shift grand final from a Saturday afternoon to a Sunday afternoon, just so I'd, and I did that once. I started church early so that I could watch a grand final and we never missed out. Then I went home and I said, God, I repent. God said, no, no, don't come to me and repent now. You knew that you were doing the right thing. You need to doubly repent for doing that thing wrong, not by doing, you know. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God, it's only the little foxes that spoils the vine. Only the little foxes, nothing big. Just speeding. Who likes speeding? Who likes speeding? <laughs> Who knows that a, a spirit can jump on your accelerator pedal when, when, the, tire, when, the, when the light's turning yellow? <laughs> Who knows it's a spirit? It, it, you know? No, it's those little foxes that spoil the vine. I go to dialysis three times a week. I'm coming off the old, the new bridge, and I'm heading to the, to the, to the red lights. And the lights, lights green, and all at once, I see it starting to turn yellow. I'm speeding down this. <laughs> and I get around the corner. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> he says, what? Thank you, Lord. It wasn't red. He said, but why did you speed? Lord, it was yellow. Oh, does so yellow mean speed, does it? Or does yellow mean slow down? It's those little foxes. I oh, know none of you do that. 
with the yellow light. I mean, you only, sa- you only save yourself, what, a minute? God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not over anxious. I've got a lot of patience. Yeah, I can wait for the yellow to turn to red, then it seems like it's forever. Ah, but you're listening to me, the Holy Spirit said. If you can't listen to something right out there, how can you listen to me on the inner side? If you can't take your signals when it's red, right, red, red, yellow and green and you can see it with your own eyes, how can you take the signals that are going on inside of you? Come on. Hey? God is good. Yes. I mean, it hadn't been very much theological. I'll leave all the theological stuff to Pastor James. He's the theologian in the place. But I'm just sharing some of the things that, that's happened to me and our family. And all I can say is that, thank God, I'm still here. And I'm still preaching. I've still got a lot of helpers there who preach when I don't preach. They're, they're a lot better than me. I thank God for the younger generation, Silla and Shane and them, Sean. They can preach. They, 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 they are so compact in their preaching. You know, and Ada said to me, Dad, they're very compact, aren't they? You know, they A, B, C, D. She said, you go from A to Z, back to B, and then to Q, and then to what? <laughs> she said, you're all, all over the place. I said, well, I can't help it. That's the way I, my mind goes. But I thank God for that, that I'm still in the house. I'm still married. Yeah. I thank God I'm still married. <laughs> Don't kid yourself. If God wasn't holding your marriage together, the spirit of the whole, the spirit, a spirit would come in. That's what he wants to do. He wants to divide marriages because if he divides marriages, he got the family. Amen. He'll get it through the children. If he can't come in through the children, he'll come in through mum and dad. And it could be over some little silly thing. So I thank God I'm still married. Thank God the church still loves me. I think most of them do. Some of them go, come upset and they come and I had an old guy, I'll finish with this story. He used to come and, and, and every Sunday he'd write me a letter and he'd give me a lecture about what I did and what I didn't do and what I said wrong and what I didn't say wrong and, and that. Then next Sunday again, come again and he'd apologize for the letter. But next Sunday again, he'd write me another letter. <laughs> but then one Father's Day came and he said to me, he says, bro, he said, you know what? I'm not coming to Father's Day anymore. I said, why? He said, Father's Day is a no-no to me. He said, listen, I want to let you know. I get to see people coming up there every Father's Day and Mother's Day talking about how great their fathers and mothers are. I didn't know my father. I, my mother was, had me when she was 15 and I didn't know her. I was sent out to Australia not knowing who my mother and father was. He said, and so when you get them people up there and they talk about how great their father was, he said, I sit there and squirm and say, where is my father? And God gave me, the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation. And I said to him, Tony, listen, uh, do you love your wife? And he said, oh, dear, he said, I've been married for her for 50 years. And I said, you really love her? And I said, do you believe God gave her to you? He said, I sure do, bro. I said, well, just think. Just think on this. That if your mom and dad, who you never knew, didn't had you, you wouldn't have had this woman to love for 50 years. He said, oh, I never saw it like that. I said, no, it's all in God's hand. And that's the old guy that gave us that house. The Holy Ghost is our friend. Let's all stand. James, could we close now? Pastor James, oh, thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for the church tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for every single one that's come, every household that's represented here tonight. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, the one 
who you said would lead and guide us into all truth, the one who you said would be our comforter, our accountant, our solicitor, our leader, our guider, would take us all, illuminate our minds, illuminate our hearts. And Father, I pray, as they come to this word, that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, as you broke that word on that day, and you fed 5,000 out of five loaves and two fishes, I pray, as your people here tonight, go to that word, that the Holy Ghost will break it and give them a revelation and an understanding of who that Christ is that went to them, went to, to the cross of Calvary, that who that Father God is, who we've never seen and maybe never even heard, but Lord, we know that you are a loving God, a loving Father. I pray that the Holy Spirit tonight, we release an anointing over your life tonight, church. As you read and study the word, as you move from this place tonight, I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your lives that tonight, from tonight on, there'll be an impartation of power and anointing and revelation that'll come into your hearts. And from this moment on, Lord, we believe, O oh God, for a, another level of your salvation, Lord. Lord, that great salvation. You call it a great salvation. Lord, I pray for another level of that great salvation to be their portion tonight. Lord, as they go home tonight and as they lay upon the bed, Lord, the Holy Spirit, you'll come to us as we go home in our cars, as we go home, some to the loneliness of their own beds. Lord, to broken, fractured relationships. Holy Spirit, I ask, please come to us and lead and guide us into all truth. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' lovely name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> bless you, James. Oh, you want to shut this off, eh?